Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana, and today we're recapping the 10th week of Big Ten football. whole lot to talk about, and joining me, as always, to break it all down, it's Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick. Uh, last week, I was talking about how the weather's getting colder in Columbus, and I love it. Now, all of a sudden, it's 70 again in early November. Um, like, climate change is an insane thing, and uh, maybe it's just the football gods looking out for me this Saturday. Maybe it's... Uh, gonna be a warm week and i won't be too cold at that 7 30 ohio state michigan state game i've been complaining about all year but um the weather it's t-shirt weather right now and i honestly don't know how i feel about it yeah reed i wore shorts today that feels wrong here in uh, first or second week in november whatever this is depending on how you characterize it. it's november 7th one way or another this doesn't feel right it's weird college basketball tipped off last night indiana starts its basketball season tonight as we're recording this uh, it does not feel like I should be wearing shorts to assembly hall. And yet that's what I'm doing tonight. So, uh, Hey, I'm not going to complain because it's, it's nice, but uh, at the same time, boy, that feels a little bit weird, but enough on that enough on the weather enough on basketball. Let's talk about some football. It was a really interesting week in the big 10 read both on and off the field. Of course, there were new developments in the Michigan saga, not a whole lot to break down other than the fact that Connor Stallions is now officially off of the Michigan staff, but we can start with our winners and losers this week. And my winner is actually related to this saga. And he was coaching on the other sideline from the alleged cheaters of Ann Arbor this weekend. It's Ryan Walters, Purdue head coach Reed, who this week, obviously Purdue got crushed and Purdue has had a really tough season, but I gained a lot of respect for him this week in the way he honestly talks about the Michigan scandal. He was not afraid to be bold, something we obviously appreciate on this program. He was not afraid uh, to tell it like it is. And uh, to be honest with the media, he didn't even shake Jim Harbaugh's hand after the game. Uh, I, I gained a lot of respect for him this week. And, and I really think that it's it's going to pay off for Purdue eventually, his personality, because on the recruiting trail, and Purdue's actually recruited pretty well and under Walters here in this first class so far, but something that's appreciated by every parent and every player is honesty. And when you're publicly, brutally honest with the media, with other coaches, whatever, no matter what the uh, potential – downfall pitfall whatever of that is then i think people are going to appreciate that and they're going to know that you keep it real and that you are going to uh, be honest with them in private in public wherever and i think that's something a lot of people appreciate so i gained a lot of respect for ryan walters this week reed how do you feel about the whole situation between him and some of his comments on michigan yeah i mean i, I think the no handshake is it's really interesting it's something we see a lot in High school sports, you'll see these videos of players not shaking hands. When one team offers to shake the hand, the other doesn't. Uh, and then usually the team who doesn't gets killed. Uh, but, you know, that that's always unclassy. But I think in a situation like this, when you are allegedly cheating and, and really spitting in the, the, the face of the integrity of the game, mm-hmm. then that's way more disrespectful. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is, uh, you know, it, it is a, a showing of, of pride. I still think it's a little bit, you know, when you do lose by m- multiple um, dozens, it is a little bit, I don't know. It, it's kind of, I don't know how I feel about making a power move after getting destroyed like that, but I guess, you know, you do have to make a statement somehow. Yeah, stand uh, your ground. That's how I feel. Stand your ground. Hey, if he was going to be in the press talking about how Michigan, for a fact, bought tickets to multiple Purdue games over the last few years and 
he was talking about, you know, them ruining the integrity of the game and this and that. And then he goes and he shakes the guy's hand and he says, good game. You deserve this to him after the game. Then he, he wouldn't be honest. He wouldn't be keeping it real. And he kept it real this week. And I appreciated that about him. And I think a lot of people across the country, even though the fact that they did get absolutely smoked, gained a lot of respect for Ryan Walters and the program he's building at Purdue. Reed, who is your winner this week? My win of the week, it was originally going to be 100-year-old fans who missed the good old days with the Iowa Northwestern game. But I'm actually <laughs> going to just say sickos for the entire Big Ten because what a sickos week we had. I mean, 10-7 score, the under hits in the game with the lowest over-under in history. Then you have Illinois, who all of a sudden is winning games consecutively. They beat Minnesota. Or I guess not consecutively. They lost last week to Wisconsin, but still starting to pick things up and Still scratching and clawing at a potential Big Ten West title. You have Michigan State taking down Nebraska. Uh, and, and then, of course, Indiana beating Wisconsin after mm. failing to beat Penn State. I mean, just what a sickos turn. One of the ugliest second halves you'll ever see in any football game, by the way. Go look at that drive chart if you're uh, into truly depraved stuff. Let's look at that drive chart for the second half, Reed, as, as sicko as it gets. Touchdown, punt, 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 fumble, punt, punt, downs, field goal, fumble, game. Wow, that is <laughs> that is a way to play football. Depraved. It's depraved. Yeah, so sickos are the complete winners. All I can think of in looking at this week's Big Ten results is just that that graphic from the or the, the cartoon from the onion of the sicko saying yes, ha ha ha, yes. Never gets old, does it? I think that's a great answer, Reed. Really ugly football across the conference this week. But we had some competitive games at least. Didn't mean they were not going to make your eyes bleed, but they were competitive. So at least uh, point, points for that. Uh, on losers, Reed, I'll, I'll let you start this one off. Who's your loser of the week? So this kind of goes against what we were just saying about Ryan Walters, because my loser is Matt Rule. Matt Rule, of course, he, he, he can get a loser just for his team losing to a Michigan State team that's just frankly god-awful. But he said after the game in, in the press conference, I feel bad for our players. We're sitting at five and four. We own five and four. We had one game where the team scouted us uh, and two games where the replay was wrong. I mean, that's tough to swallow. I feel like now is not the time to bring up the Michigan scouting issue when you lose to Michigan State. It's totally unfair that Michigan, if they did do what they're alleged of doing, did it. Um, but I think we also have to recognize that Michigan would probably beat Nebraska regardless. Mm -hmm. And just it, it it's it just seems like a little bit of, you know, Monday morning quarterback to say many weeks after the fact, oh, we only have this record because we got screwed a few times. Like, look, I'm not saying it's fair and I'm not saying it's right. But what I am saying is life's not fair. Football's not fair. Stuff, you know, doesn't go your way. And when you're the coach of a team, if you're a fan of a team or whatever, yeah, you got every right to complain. But when you're the coach and you are tasked with getting this team to a bowl game when they have the longest bowl drought in FBS history, you cannot sit and dwell on the past. You have to only be focused on, look, we, we get dealt whatever hand we're dealt and we have to deal with it and we have to make the best of it. And I think we talk a lot about coach speak on this podcast, but I think this is kind of the opposite of coach speak. I think it's sort of the coach's responsibility to have the right mindset. And I don't think this is the right mindset for a coach to be pushing out to the media to his players to everyone and i agree with you there reed listen nebraska's got three big games ahead of them trying to get to bowl eligibility three very winnable games you just got to win one of those 
focus on what's in front of you instead of dwelling on the past. That's my opinion too, Reed. I, I completely agree. So I, I think they really need to have their heads on straight because they're winnable games ahead of them now with uh, Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa to round out the season, but they're not guarantees, particularly if you're going to lose to this, I think legitimately terrible Michigan State team on the road. And, and albeit, it's not like Nebraska's all that great either, but it's a game they should have won. And these next three games are all ones that they're absolutely capable of winning, but also completely capable of losing. This season is not over yet for Nebraska. They have got to find a way to win one of these next three games. I think they will. But uh, that's going to be a lot easier said than done, particularly when you're closing your season out against a rival in Iowa who has had your number over the last few years, potentially with full eligibility on the line, depending on what uh, we see from Maryland and Wisconsin these next few weeks. All right, Reed, my loser of the week this week. Uh, it's teams looking for their sixth win. You can throw Nebraska in there too, but alongside Minnesota and Wisconsin, three different Big Ten West teams went into this weekend with five wins and favored, favored in their games. All three of them lost. Illinois loses. Illinois beats Minnesota, rather, at the last second. Nebraska goes in and is upset by Michigan State. And Wisconsin goes to Bloomington and is upset by Indiana. If you were looking for your sixth win this week in the Big Ten, it was a bad week to be you. Reed, it feels like the bowl situation in the Big Ten Conference is about as uncertain as we've ever seen it at this point in the season. Just so few teams have gotten to six wins. All of them in the Big Ten East, except Iowa, who's the lone Big Ten West team to, to get to that six-win mark so far. But on the flip side, there are a lot of teams in that three- to four-win range who, for as bad as they've looked this year in Illinois, Michigan State, and Indiana, kept their seasons alive this week. And looking at the schedules they have ahead, any one of those three teams has a chance to go bowling. As crazy as that may sound. Yeah, there's a lot of weirdness going on right now with potentially bowl-eligible teams. And I think if we can start taking a look at the, the schedules that a lot of these teams have left, I, I am interested. Tough. I'm going to count them out. But the other yeah. I, I'm really interested to see. We haven't had really the chance to sort of crunch the numbers and figure out which outcomes would get the most possible Big Ten teams into bowl games and which would get the least. But it is fascinating that a lot of these teams are playing each other. Minnesota and Wisconsin both battling to be bowl eligible. They face one another. And then you have Wisconsin and Northwestern, Wisconsin and Nebraska. These teams are all playing each other down the stretch. So there is going to be a little bit of war of attrition, teams beating each other up near the end. And I don't know. It's, it is really hard to predict who is going to be bowl eligible because you want to look at these potentially eligible teams and say, all right, Wisconsin's one of the best. You know, Minnesota, they, they could be out on the top. But I mean, Nebraska lost to Michigan State this week. Everything is unpredictable. Even the, the wins that you think are easy are no longer easy. I think Michigan mm. State is probably the worst team in the conference at this point. But, I mean, they just beat uh, a team that has five wins. So, nothing is certain. You, you know, you could see – I don't know. I, I think any any outcome or any any combination of, of teams going to bowl games is pretty much possible at this point, except for Michigan State going. Yeah, Michigan State looks really tough with Penn State and Ohio State both left, including Ohio State on the road this this weekend in a night game in November as well. We've talked about a little bit, but Indiana, Illinois, both of them sounds crazy. I think have a legitimate shot. These are not particularly tough schedules. Indiana's got to win out. Illinois's got to win two of three. And Illinois has been terrible all season. The fact they've got to win two of three between Indiana at home at Iowa and Northwestern at home to end their season and they're bowling. That's crazy. Who would have thought that at 
the second week of the season when they were struggling with, with a max school. But th- then looking at Indiana, it's at Illinois this week. It's again, like we said, not a particularly good Illinois team. And then you're taking on two of the worst teams in the conference in Michigan state and Purdue. The problem for Indiana and Illinois is they're also bad. And even if they're playing games that they can win, should win, whatever, that is far from a guarantee, far from a likelihood, even in some cases. And no matter how well the stat schedule stacks up for you in these last few weeks, uh, you still have to play near perfect football and got to get lucky in a number of ways. But uh, I wouldn't count on both of these teams going bowling. I think Illinois has got a better shot than IU does. But at the same time, I don't think either of those are impossible. And uh, I think it's something worth watching, including this coming week, uh, the eligibility, if you will, between Illinois and Indiana. I think that's going to be one worth watching in Champaign. But that's for next week, not this week. All right. We're going to take a quick break here, then talk about some of the other things we saw this week in the Big Ten. So stay tuned, and we will be right back after this. Back here on the first and 10, ready to get into the rest of our week 10 recap. All right, Reed, I'm actually going to give you the floor here. Uh, A really interesting week in the Big Ten where there were a lot of competitive games, but I don't think any of those competitive games were particularly good football games. What was your game of the week? Dealer's choice, completely up to you. Whatever you want to talk about, let's talk about. I'm just going to have to say Ohio State Rutgers because, I mean, not that this one was the best game of all time, but you did have an unranked team leading the number one team in the country at the half. And I think that's just the most intriguing event that happened this weekend. I mean, even though the IU win over Wisconsin was, you know, that was interesting. And then Iowa Northwestern, I guess you could call interesting, maybe. Uh, and then you had a really close game between Illinois and Minnesota and the same thing in East Lansing. I think this one had the perfect, not the perfect, the best balance of attention grabbing relevant teams and closeness on the scoreline. Um, and I mean, I really commend Rutgers for giving Ohio state a run for its money. Rutgers in the past, even in its better seasons, which it's, it's better seasons in the big 10 era have still been pretty bad has never really done much to give Ohio State any kind of trouble. They did it much more this sat this past Saturday than they have in the past. Still at and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and then one of the Ohio State's touchdowns was a pick six that was, I'm not going to say fluky, but a type of play you don't see at every game. And so, I mean, Ohio State was really on the ropes for a little bit. So I this game was intriguing to me. I didn't necessarily want it to be intriguing, but it was. And uh, I'm going to have to say that's my game of the week. I think it it kept the most eyeballs on the screen for the longest amount of time in the Big Ten this week. This is a real game for three quarters, Reed. And with the number one team in the country headed to what ended up being a a good Rutgers team and a Rutgers team that I thought kind of padded out its schedule against easy teams. But, hey, they hung in this game. They gave Ohio State three quarters of good football, not quite a full four. But you can tell that this program is trending in a direction to where – in the next handful of years, it feels like they could pull off an upset of this magnitude. Well, I actually think it did. It was a game uh, in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was um, going, it was a game going into the fourth. And then I don't, I don't know. Ohio State outscored them 28 to seven in the second. The score, but the score was 21 16 in the fourth quarter. That is a game. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That, that's Never a complete. Felt- But I think as has been tradition this season with Ohio State, even when they were down or they were struggling or it was close late, they never truly felt like they were in danger of losing the game. 
I would sort of say that, but I would say Rutgers put Ohio State in the most danger outside of Notre Dame and Penn State this year. They put Ohio State in more danger than Wisconsin, Maryland, um, Indiana. I think this was this was the one that gave them the most legitimate threat out of the other out of the non elite opponents. And so again, I, I have to keep getting giving credit to Rutgers. I think you know their their six wins at this point, their six and two record going into this one now six and three was a little bit of a product of their schedule. But I think in this game they really proved that hey, maybe we have an easy schedule, but we can beat Iowa, we can beat Maryland, we can be an eight and four football team. And I think if they're eight and four, then they fully deserve that, that record. I don't think it's a fluky Rutgers team. I think against Michigan, even though the final score was 31-7, they put up a good fight there. They were a strong team in that game at home against Ohio State, same thing. So I think this was really a prove it game for Rutgers and they did it, even though they didn't end up winning. Um, I, I was impressed by what I saw. Kind of reminds me of the way we felt after Ohio State and Maryland this season, where we started buying into Maryland because they gave Ohio State a good game. And I don't think we're giving Maryland enough credit uh, for the way that they played against Ohio State. But since then, Maryland's season has gone completely down the toilet. And uh, I think we can talk about that later. But can Rutgers use this as a building block or are they going to get high on their own moral victory and then sputter out to six and seven and lose out the rest of the way? I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I don't have any reason to believe that Rutgers won't keep playing tough and keep playing good football from now through the end of the season, but I don't think it's impossible, especially given what we've seen with Maryland this year, kind of in a similar scenario. Yeah, I agree. But I think since Rutgers has forever been sort of this pushover team twice about, they have reached the height that they wanted to reach for so long. I think they sort of have this mindset of, Let's just keep going. I mean, winning at Kick would be massive. That would probably be the biggest win the program's had in a long time. Probably since winning they joined at- the conference other than beating Michigan that one time. Yeah, and then, I mean, going on the road to Penn State, very unlikely they win that one. But, again, that's not impossible. Winning in Happy Valley would definitely be the biggest win in the program's Big Ten era. So I think they're going to keep it rolling. I think they, they mentally are about as, as good as you can possibly be in terms of what, what mental state they're in. Yeah, really impressive season for them. Certainly a program trending in the right direction is Rutgers. All right, Reed, let's look at the rest of the conference this week. Who was your player of the week? I'll give you the floor first. Who you got? I'm going to go back to this game. Same player of the week as last week. I'm going to say Travion Henderson. 208 all-purpose yards, led Ohio State in rushing and receiving. He was really the main reason why Ohio State won this game. I mean, the defense... Wasn't horrible, but it, there were certain times where the defense would just continue giving up first downs and giving up yards that really they, they should have been able to stop. And Kyle McCord, once again, not his best day. Henderson was really the guy who just took over for this game for Ohio State. And you need players like him if you want to maintain an undefeated record and you want to play in these close games all the time. Um, you need moments like these, and uh, Henderson really showed out once again. He absolutely did. It really feels like he's coming into his own as the season progresses. And I think he could be the biggest X factor on the offensive side of the football for Ohio state in a potential game against Michigan or in the big 10 title or in the playoff, wherever that may be. It feels like he is a guy who can go in and win you a game. If he has a performance like he did these last two weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Reed, I'm kind of sick of picking Ohio state players as player of the week. So uh, we're going Aaron Casey. Uh, linebacker from Indiana. He was all over the field in this one. Uh, if you were watching, you just couldn't not notice him. He was everywhere, both sides of the field. Uh, in the secondary, in the backfield, no matter where you were, he was there. He was around the ball. Nine tackles, four for loss, two sacks, and a forced fumble. It's an amazing stat line. He's been one of the better linebackers in the entire conference this year. 
Uh, I don't think he's gotten the shine that he deserves, but another great game uh, by Aaron Casey. He absolutely earns my player of the week honors. Yeah, and I think one, another player who deserves a shout-out is going to be Roman Wilson, 143 yards receiving. And then one more player in this Michigan game that's just fascinating stat-line-wise. J.J. McCarthy, 335 passing yards, no touchdowns. Kind of just impressive. Not, a, not every day you see those kind of passing stats with no <laughs> touchdowns to accompany. And obviously still a good game from him, but um, just kind of a funny line there. Yeah, that's uh, unique, I think, is the way I would put that, Reed. Definitely a, a different sort of stat-line, but... Hey, it works. They won. And uh, I don't think we need to say anything else about that Michigan game. All right, Reed. Weezy F, baby. And the F is four. Forwards and backwards. I'll get mine out of the way quickly. We had a palindrome score this week. Penn State 51, Maryland 15. That's the same forwards and backwards. It's just kind of fun. Uh, But more importantly here, Reed, let's talk a little bit about this Penn State-Maryland game. Uh, it seems like a real get-right game for Penn State, who, who are still sitting eight and one, and with a chance, if they can win this week against Michigan, to get themselves to the Big Ten championship game. They're still alive in the Big Ten East, and this was an absolute get-right game for them after a, a few weeks of struggling in a row. And then on the flip side, Maryland. It's entirely possible that this team misses out on a bowl game. Read, it's been a terrible. Uh, last month or so, they've lost four in a row. It's Nebraska, Michigan, and Rutgers to close out the season. Nebraska and Rutgers on the road. So their toughest game is at home. And then the other two more winnable games are both on the road. There's a legitimate chance that this Maryland team does not go bowling. Yeah, and that's something that we never would have thought in September. It's just kind of fascinating the turn that Maryland has taken. And we've sort of documented it throughout this podcast in the past few weeks of September, Maryland, how you know, they lose one game, then they lose another. All of a sudden, it is this big slip. And, yeah, the, the remaining schedule for Maryland, it's no cakewalk. I mean, Nebraska, they can beat. Michigan, I don't think they can beat. Rutgers, they can beat. But like we said, with all of these sort of mediocre Big Ten teams, all of these games are sort of toss-ups. Nothing is, is guaranteed. And we talk about how Rutgers – I mean, I think Rutgers will be favored in that game against Maryland. Scarlet Knights are at home. They've been playing better football for the past several weeks. So, really, this game against Maryland, or against Nebraska, excuse me, this upcoming week is make or break for them. Completely make or break, Reed. I think that you can say that for a few teams, whether it's in a literal sense or in a more figurative sense, but this feels like an absolute must win for Maryland. What's your Wheezy of the Week, Reed? Wheezy of the Week, I would say Wheezy F, baby, and F is for fans. I think Rutgers fans impressed me this week, especially their student section. It just seemed like a, a pretty solid atmosphere, and I'm happy to see them showing up for a team that's winning games. I've seen... Is it Shy Stadium or SHI Stadium? How do you say that? I'm not sure. I hear both. Like, we'll say Shy Stadium. We've seen that stadium sort of barren of fans in 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 Rutgers' bad years, but now that the team is playing well, I mean, the atmosphere looks great. Shout out to those people. I mean, they show up for basketball season and they really mm-hmm. uh, make the atmosphere great. And it seems like they're doing the same. I'll also point out real quick, talking about Penn State and their Big Ten championship odds. You know, we look at the rankings in uh, college football right now. We see Ohio State and Michigan in that top three. Penn State in some polls in the back half of the top 10 and some polls not in the top 10 at all. Um, So we sort of tend to subconsciously keep Penn State out of this Big Ten race. But they, like you said, are absolutely still alive in the Big Ten East. I mean, beating Michigan is going to be no easy task. But if they do that, then Michigan beats Ohio State they are likely going to the Big Ten Championship because that tiebreaker is the combined opponent 
of your or the, the combined record of your West opponents going into the season. It looked like Ohio State was going to have the advantage of these three teams there with Purdue, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. But all three of those teams have sort of been duds compared to what we expected. Iowa sitting at seven and two, Northwestern Illinois each at four and five with the potential to go six and six this year. Penn State right now has the advantage there. So again, it is it's no easy task to say, all right, beat Michigan and have Michigan beat Ohio State. But Penn State is completely not out of it. They are still in this race. And and also, even if they don't go to the Big Ten Championship, if they beat Michigan here, they have a chance at the playoff. Let's say they beat Michigan, then Michigan loses to Ohio State. You're looking at undefeated Ohio State, Big Ten champions most likely. One loss, Penn State with an eight-point loss to the conference champion. They are alive in both the conference and the playoff. Mm-hmm. Completely agree, Reed. And uh, I'm not saying it's likely for Penn State because I don't think I have much faith in this team but it's absolutely possible. And they've put themselves in a situation where they can to some extent control their own destiny. They, they can put themselves in a position to be a playoff team one way or another, depending on how things break. They are certainly not out of it yet. I'm All right. You. Last thing before we wrap this up, let's get our ballots and read. How did you vote this week in the student media poll? In my top five, I said number one, Ohio state, number two, Georgia, number three, Michigan, number four, Washington, number five, Oregon. Then I had Penn State at nine and no other Big Ten teams ranked. This week, I really had to contemplate how am I going to rank these top three teams? Because it is really like splitting hairs when you look at their resumes. Now that Georgia has a win against Missouri, I think that Missouri win is pretty similar to Ohio State's winning against Penn State. I think those teams are of similar caliber. Mm-hmm. But they also, I mean, I mean, the games were won in similar ways. Neither game was this electrifying, high-scoring matchup. It was uh, it was a low or a, the the deficit between or the, the margins of victory were pretty small in both of those games as well. So Georgia for me did not win impressively enough to warrant a full uh, jump of Ohio State. I did you know looking at Notre Dame's result this week, looking at Ohio State's result, I did start to question Ohio State's resume because Notre Dame now they don't look quite as strong as they did earlier in the year. Ohio State not looking great against Rutgers, but I also just think. A road loss to a six and three conference opponent where, or no, a road win, excuse me, a road win by multiple possessions to a six and three team is not that damning. And a home win to the number, I forget, what are they, like 12 or 13 or something team in the country by nine points is not that much more impressive, if at all more impressive than Ohio State's win against Penn State. So I had to keep Ohio State above Georgia, but I did put Georgia above Michigan just because Georgia has now proved it against somebody who's legitimate. Michigan has a chance to do that this week. They haven't had the chance to do it yet. So after Michigan plays Penn State and after Georgia plays teams like Tennessee and who else do they have? Doesn't matter. Um, Ole Miss after- no, no. I'll, who, who's Ole Miss play this week? They don't play Georgia. Do they? I think, no, I think they do play. They, they do. They play, do. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So Georgia yeah, plays that's a good Miss one right there. Tennessee. There you go. So, so I mean, once Georgia has played Ole Miss and Tennessee, once Michigan has played Penn State and Ohio State, we will have a clear picture. At this point, it is just splitting hairs, and I still see Ohio State as the number one of those teams. Yeah, Reed, I uh, I don't disagree with you there. I feel like this Ohio State team has a great resume, but at the same time, Michigan, and ignoring the off-the-field stuff, is just beating everybody they play by four plus scores. So I've still got Michigan one. I've got Georgia two now after that win against Missouri, Ohio state three, but it's splitting hairs. Like you said, Florida state four, Washington five, I've got Oregon in the sixth. And then 
Uh, the only other Big Ten team I've got ranked is Penn State at 13. So uh, a lot in common with you there, Reed. All right, shout-outs and closeouts. Uh, who do you want to shout-out before we finish this one up? I'm going to give a shout-out to my professor today who canceled class, um, gives us more time to do this podcast. So shout-out to my professor. Shout-out indeed. I'll give a shout-out to basketball just as a concept. It's back, college basketball is in full force. The Hoosiers are back on the court tonight against Florida Gulf Coast. I'm excited to watch them play. All right, Reed, anything else for me before we wrap this one up? Nothing for me. Nothing for me either. All right, we'll be back later this week to preview week 11, including Michigan versus Penn State. Should be a fun one. Till then, for Reed Murray, my name is Patrick Feltz, and we will see you next time. Bye.